Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Hey there, Impact Makers. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Impact Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer McClure, and I'm excited to share a fascinating conversation with you today with my new friend, Rob Lawless. Rob is on a mission to spend one hour, one-on-one, with 10,000 different people, and over the last eight years, he's met almost 6,000 people across 90-plus countries on the journey to complete that goal. Rob shares their stories on his Instagram account, Rob's 10K Friends, and his humble project has gotten the attention of many in the media over the last few years, where he's been invited to share about it on The Kelly Clarkson Show, The Today Show, On Air with Ryan Seacrest, and of course, here on the Impact Makers Podcast. I was incredibly honored recently to become Rob's 5,820th friend after being introduced to him by 5,795, my friend Tom Monahan. Rob shared about our conversation on his Instagram account, which I'll link to in the show notes, and it was so fun to just have a conversation to get to know someone new without any pressure to ask great questions or to take notes like I would during an interview. I truly admire Rob for his creativity and diligence to complete his goal, which will likely take him another eight to 10 years to accomplish. What started as a response to a harsh rejection email turned into a goal to meet new people for one hour to have a conversation with absolutely no agenda has turned into a career where in addition to meeting up to four new people each day, Rob is speaking on conference stages and at corporate events around the world, as well as preparing to write his first book about what he's learned thus far about the power of human connection. I think after listening to this conversation, you'll be inspired by Rob to be more intentional about connecting with others and treating your interactions as experiences rather than transactions. And like me, you'll probably have a greater appreciation for what applying yourself to something for 10,000 hours actually means and the commitment that is required to achieve big goals. Well, welcome to the Impact Makers podcast, Rob. Thank you for joining me. I'm looking so forward to learning more about you and the work that you're doing. So before we get started, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what brought you here today? Sure. So I am on a mission to spend one hour one-on-one with 10,000 different people, of which you were one of them. I forget your number. I should have looked it up before I did this. Thousand something. I'll share it in the intro. <laughs> yeah, but I today I just met number five thousand eight hundred eighty-two. I think is the most recent person. So I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I started this mission eight years ago, November of 2015. Was the first person that I met, and my background is I went to Penn State University, studied finance there, graduated 2013, did consulting for Deloitte struggled with going from knowing a lot of people in college to sitting in a cubicle for 12 hours a day, left Deloitte after a year and three months, went to a tech startup. And when I was there, decided, okay, I'm going to solve this issue by spending an hour with 10,000 different people because I'm curious to see what happens when you do that. And I'd minored in entrepreneurship and I wanted to do something that was going to be my own path. So combining my passions for connection and entrepreneurship led me to start this journey and Yeah, it's been, I started it in November, 2015. Eight months later, the tech startup that I worked for was acquired. I was laid off. I jumped into this full time. 
and I've been doing it full time ever since. So that's the quick version, and I'm sure we'll dive into it. But yeah, 5,882 people, I think, at this point. So, so many questions. I guess my first one is, you're an extrovert, right? Yeah, definitely an extrovert. But I say, I don't know if you got this vibe from me when we talked, because I say I'm a reserved extrovert. Like, I think doing this project, a lot of people expect me to be very animated, center of attention, but I have more of a very even-keeled energy. So I can be mistaken at times for being shy or being introverted, but I get my energy from meeting people. And I do love being in crowds of people. I love meeting people one-on-one, one-on-ten, whatever. So it fuels me. So I try to meet four new people every day. And like a conversation for me is like a cup of coffee. Well, I think, as you said, we talked about it in our conversation that uh, I did with you, and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. But you're exactly right. I mean, when people understand that I'm an introvert, they get surprised because they're like, you're a professional speaker. You worked in human resources. How can you hate people? I'm like, that's not what an introvert is. It's about where we get our energy. And as you said, the thought of meeting four people every day for my job exhausts me just thinking about it. So um, I, I can imagine and appreciate that that gives you energy. And as you said, you can be even keeled and still be an extrovert. And you can be someone who enjoys talking and being around people as an introvert. But I'm also I got to get away at some point and recharge. <laughs> I'm, I was also fascinated, and you said it again, that you started this project, or you call it a mission, in 2015. So we're eight years down the road. You've been meeting with four people practically every work day, and you're still at only, quote, only less than 6,000. That sounds like you should have been done by now. Yeah. <laughs> How, so, so you have a projection for when you will hit 10,000. What year will that be? I think, and it's a loose projection because I I guess I don't really care when I hit it because I'm passionate about it. Like a lot of people will hear about my goal and be like, well, come to my event. You can meet 50 people at once. You'll be able, like they have this idea that I'm trying to rush through it to, to use it as something to do the next thing. When in reality, I am at the destination. Like the destination is the journey, you know? So I think it'll be about eight more years because, and the reason being like I've started having done this full time, I started supporting myself through public speaking as well. I started that two years ago and you know, if you're speaking a lot and you're speaking successfully, it takes a lot of your time. So I think my goal is to maybe do like 40 to 50 engagements per year and I'm assuming that's like at least 100 travel days a year traveling, doing the engagement. So I'll lose a lot of time, even though the project has become more and more known over the years. So to do, the only reason I want to do, I say eight more years is because I'm 32 now. And I think it would be clean to say I met 10,000 people by the time I was 40. And if I followed that kind of path, I'd have to meet like 600 people a year from now until age 40. I think it's actually even like 525 people or something like that, which is definitely doable. I mean, at the peak, I've done like just over 800 people in the year. I think last year I did like 630 or something like that. But yeah, so eight more years, I think. And it is funny, a lot of people in their mind, 
like I, I met with a girl last week who said, oh, I've been following you since the very beginning days of your project. And it's been really cool to see you grow. And I said, that's great. How did you find out about my project? And she said, well, I found out about it on TikTok during COVID when you started. And I said, oh, I was already five years into it at that point. I, it's just like sometimes people hear about it at a certain time and they're like, oh, of course he started in COVID and he's already met 5,800 people. But one of the challenges that I found for my end is it's, it's really hard to have people comprehend what 10,000 hours feels like because oftentimes they're not really judging parts of their lives in this thing. So just for context, if I did three people a day, no days off, every single day, it would take 9.7 years to complete. And so even though that would be seven days a week, seven days a week, three yeah. people a day would be nine years. 9.7 years so almost 10 years and i'll schedule four people a day but on friday two people didn't show and then people cancel last minute or they reschedule so it becomes this game too where you have to like four is the magic number of people that i'll schedule and be tired at the end of the day but still excited to do it the next day but that doesn't necessarily mean that i'll get to hold four meetings because i'm at the mercy of other people's schedules as well yeah uh, I'm again I'm getting exhausted <laughs> during this <laughs> but let's go back to 2015 when you were working in the tech startup and you started meeting people I guess first question I have is what do you consider a meeting I know in our conversation that we had between you and I for for our meeting you said that you don't call them interviews you call them conversations meetings and you also just mentioned like going to a conference doesn't mean that you met 50 people. So what do you consider meeting someone? I consider meeting someone, someone that I don't already know. We're spending one hour one-on-one -on -one together and they know they're part of the project. And I'm going to share their story to my Instagram account, which is Rob's 10K Friends afterwards. So yeah, it's just a one-on-one. -on -one and I can, I don't, I say not interview because it's, I'm not trying to interview people. I just want to meet people. An interview is too formal. And when you go and you tell, like if I were to say to people, hey, I'm trying to interview 10,000 people. And this happens, I had to write an article called PSA. I'm not interviewing people because people would come into the experience like, oh, sorry, I, I know you're supposed to ask me all the questions. Like I'm not supposed to ask you anything. Or they'd be like, all right, grill me. What's the list of questions you have? And imagine a better way to think about it is like a platonic date. Like you would never go on a first date and be like, all right, give me the questions. So it's a conversation. It's a back and forth of two people learning about each other. So I would want people, because they're always curious about me too, to feel that permission to ask about me. So it's really just us spending time together, sharing an hour of our, our time with each other. I say so that afterwards we know each other as friends as opposed to strangers. Yeah. So do you research people before your meeting or do you just show up and, and start a conversation? I just show up and, you know, we were connected through email, but oftentimes people will message me on Instagram and I used to meet every single person in person until COVID happened. And if someone reaches out to you from a private Instagram account, you can't look at their picture. So all you have is a tiny little thumbnail and sometimes it's not even a picture of them. So I'd be like, I'm in this color shirt, just find me because you probably know what I look like. And yeah, oftentimes I wouldn't know what they looked like until I got to them. 
Uh, yeah, the the days of trying to find somebody on LinkedIn and they had some sort of cartoon as their profile photo and you show up to try to find them. You're like, Use your real photo and make it current, please. Yeah. So you were you are based in Philadelphia, and in the beginning you were meeting everyone in person. Did that was your initial thought that I will meet ten thousand people in a reasonable radius of Philadelphia, or were you willing to just get on a plane or get hop on a train or in a car and go anywhere and everywhere? I always thought I would do the first thousand ish in Philly, and the next nine would be a mix of Philly and the world. And it just the social media landscape was so much different back then, where if you had an interesting concept and people liked what you were doing, it was not crazy that you would have an airline partnership or you would have a hotel partnership. Or, you know, this was like the early days of social media influencing, which I don't consider myself an influencer, but just someone who was documenting a journey on a social media platform. And I had some of those calls, like I had calls with different airlines and stuff to talk about partnerships and they were interested and COVID destroyed all of that of partnering with them. But yeah, so I always just figured, okay, well, I will find a way to get out. And that's why I never wanted to do video calls. I was very against doing video calls because I thought I want to meet people from around the world, but I want to meet them where they are. I want to be there in their city, in their coffee shops, in their restaurants, whatever. And then, of course, COVID became the only way to connect with people. And I deem it for my project, at least a blessing in disguise, because it opened me up to meeting people from like 90 different countries around the world. But yeah, and it's kind of cool now because speaking. So I can't I don't know if when we met that I had had this opportunity, but I just signed a contract to speak in Bangalore, India, and I'll be speaking there at the end of November. So now my speaking which is through the project, like the project led to the speaking. Now the speaking is bringing me to India, to Wisconsin, to Portland, like all these different places. So I feel like I'll be able to kind of live out that vision that I had for the project. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So a minute ago, I was back in 2015. So you started this, you were at the tech startup. You just wanted to meet people feed your, your extrovert recharge battery. And did you think at that time that this would be something that could be monetized or a side hustle or in any way were you thinking about it as some sort of business opportunity? Yes. I I chose, like I wanted 10,000 to be the number because I knew to complete it, I would have to commit to it as if it were a full-time career. And it was my attempt at doing something entrepreneurial because I did the consulting thing and I made good money there and I was miserable. And then I went to the startup and it was still cool, but I was working on someone else's dream. And I always wanted to work not on like my own dream, just something, it's not like I had a dream that I was like, I'm going to do this, but I wanted to do something entrepreneurial of my own. So yeah, a lot of times people, because then when the press started to come, people would say, oh, did you ever think that your project would get this big? And I thought it's not nearly as big as I thought it would be just because I I feel like it's a really cool concept. And I don't actually even need it to be super big. I always just thought it was really cool. And I still do think like how many people, like is there anyone in history who has intentionally spent an hour with 10,000 different people? Because now I know how much time requirement goes into it. Like, I don't know, maybe, I mean, therapists and there are different professions that have very similar paths but 
I always, I always thought it was going to be a big thing. And I always intended for it to become my career. And I always said to the me who has met 10,000 people is more valuable than the me who made partner at Deloitte. It was just going to be a rockier road to get to that part, which has held true. Sure. Well, you mentioned speaking has become a, a source of income and an opportunity to continue to spread your message and also teach a lot of what you've learned. How were you making money in the beginning? You know, were were there other avenues that were ways to help you be able to eat and live indoors? Yeah, I leveraged my resources really well. So I worked for a financial advisor through high school. So I was like thrifty, you know, I was always a very frugal person. And even when I worked at Deloitte and and made good money there, I wasn't a spender because I always felt like I was needing to save to take a leap, which eventually became this project. But when I was laid off, I had 11 more months left on my lease in Philadelphia. And I finished out that lease. And then that was May of 2017 that that ended. And my roommate from Penn State said, hey, well, I'm living in Los Angeles. I have an extra bedroom in my apartment. If you want to come stay out here for the summer or whatever, stay as long as you need to. You don't have to pay rent. So I then had a place to stay. And my brother had moved from New York or from Philadelphia up to New York City, my older brother. And he had a car that he had already paid off. And before I decided to go out to LA, he said, I just want to leave the car with you because I don't want it to sit idle in the driveway and get issues. So just use it to drive home whenever you go to see mom and dad. And I said, okay, cool. Can I take it to LA? So I drove my brother's car to my friend's place in LA. I lived there for the summer of 2017. Then I drove back to the Philly suburbs where I'm from, moved in with my parents for five months. Then I drove back to LA and I spent eight months in LA in 2018. And then I drove back to my parents and spent four months there. And then I drove back to LA and lived there for three months in 2019. And in that time, my friend and his wife from Hoboken came to visit. And they said, if you ever want to meet people in New York City, we have an extra bedroom too. So you could come stay with us and meet people there. So it was supposed to be two months. And then I ended up living with them from August of 2019 until May of 2020. Got quarantined with them and everything. So I spent nine months with them. So that was important because this rent expense, which for a lot of us is the biggest expense that we have each month for me was completely cut out like from may of 2017 until january of 2022 i didn't pay rent and it, it part of that was having really amazing friends and part of that was trying to be a very humble amazing friend to them like recognizing that they were being very generous for me and then alongside that as my following grew on social media i would take on small partnerships so in the early days as early as march of 2017 that month, I had a partnership with a mom and pop pharmacy in Philadelphia, and they gave me $300. And at the end of every caption, I would put presented this month by Fishtown Pharmacy, and I would tag them in every post. And then because I was doing that, this urgent care center that was new to Philadelphia called Vibe Urgent Care, the CEO reached out to me and said, what is this partnership thing that you're doing? We're new to the city. We think it'd be cool to advertise through you. And I said, well, be part of my project and I will tell you about it. So we met and I said, yeah, I'm trying to get to $1,000 for the month because that would help me cover rent and healthcare. And he said, okay, I'll be right back. I'll write you a check for $1,000. And then they partnered me in the same way. Like if you're sick in the city, go to Vibridge and care. And then it was a leadership program 
It ended up being a dog walking company, a wedding band, a weekly publication, the most random mix of sponsors. But they were all people who were part of my project and had sat with me for an hour. So they understood my mission. They understood who I was as a person and they wanted to help me succeed. So I say it was like as much of a donation as it was partnership. But then in 2018, when I got to Ryan Seacrest's radio show, I had done that bit with him. I sent that to the head of partnerships at WeWork, the co-working space. And I said, hey, I'm doing this thing. I met a lot of people from your community. Your values are community and entrepreneurship. I'm living that out through my project. Here's Ryan Seacrest talking about me. Can we do a partnership? And they said, yeah, we can do a trial where you promote us for free for a month. And we'll see if it has an impact on us. And if so, then we can do a paid partnership. So I promoted them for free for a month. And then that led to a three-month partnership. And then we re-upped it for another six months. And that was like in that whole time that I was living in Hoboken, which is nice because there's like a million WeWork offices in New York. So yeah, my last day of in-person meetings, March 11th of 2020, was at a WeWork office. And that was also the last day of that partnership with them. And then the speaking kind of came after that. Interesting. Well, your entrepreneurship degree has really paid for itself. You, <laughs> a lot of creativity and, and ideas and um, always finding a way. I really, really love that spirit. Well, in meeting the almost 6,000 people that you have so far, I can only imagine uh, the stories that you've heard, what people have shared with you. I guess I have, again, many questions that I could ask, but what is... Um, a story that really still resonates for you for you or someone that you met it was very impactful that you still remember today whether it was in the beginning or last week yeah I mean I met a girl I think it was five hours ago today she lost her older sister in January unexpectedly she was 25 her sister was 27 and they were like best friends. So she was telling me about their relationship with each other. And she had also lost her best friend to a car accident when she was in high school. So you're talking about grief and how do you handle these things and how do you do the mental gymnastics to frame life in a way that it's like, hey, this is still an enjoyable experience for me, even though this tragic thing happened. And my brother is two years older than me. So there's that parallel there that makes you think about that. And my sister is six years older than me. And my parents are, I still have both my parents are still alive, still together. And I told the girl, which I tell everyone when I hear about loss, like every time I hear something like that, it reminds me of how lucky I am to have these people in my life. And doing entrepreneurship and especially doing something on social media, I think a lot of people got caught up in like showing off and this is my cool lifestyle and this is what I do. And my project taught me the exact opposite of like, I could care less about any of that stuff or about the brands that I'm wearing or this or that. Like I could this weekend go home and spend time with my parents. Like that's a gift that people don't have. Or I could call my brother or FaceTime my sister. That's a gift that people don't have. So I became aware of those gifts through other people's losses instead of my own. And I think just a huge sense of gratitude from the project. So she is one of several stories like that through the journey that have impacted me. But then on the other end too, it's like the the reason I got into speaking is because I met a girl named Michelle Poehler in August of 2019. She was the first person I met when I went to Hoboken. I met her in Brooklyn and she told me about her speaker lifestyle and 
she was like, there's room for you in this industry. And I just think it's really interesting because I think it's hard to comprehend what you haven't been exposed to. And I'm lucky that I had people like her to expose me to things that were blind spots before. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I see someone doing it. I see a path. I can do it too. Which is why I think like so many people care about representation too. How do you find all of the people that you meet? Are you, is there like a button on your website where I can say, I want to meet Rob or are they all referrals or how do you meet them? There is a button on my site where people can email me. I've, I've not been the best at replying to that because I would get so many messages through Instagram. Like I think normal people spend a lot of time in their email inbox. Normal people. (laughs) Yeah. Like people who work, you know, I spend a lot of time in my Instagram direct messages. It's my main form of communication with people. So for example, when Kelly Clarkson's show, when I was on that show, it was December of 2019, that same week, a social media company called Now This, they do like stories on Facebook and stuff. They shared a story on me. And that week I had 8,000 people start following my project and many of them messaged me or I had uh, put out a video on TikTok and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. This was October 2020. Do you want to be part of it? I've been trying to meet people. I've been doing it for the last five years. Shoot me a message on Instagram if you want to meet. And I had a thousand people message me in 24 hours. So it's just that or I'll be on a podcast and a bunch of people will find me through that. Or people do make introductions one-on-one. A lot of times in the early days, it was just I would meet with people And then they would post it to their Instagram and be like, hey, I did this thing with this guy who's trying to meet these people. And then all their friends would message me. So it's, I find the project is odd enough that when people say that they're part of it, people are like, what? Why are you meeting with some guy? And then they become intrigued and then they kind of get caught in the web in a way and they get, so yeah, but I would say overall, the biggest thing is word of mouth, probably followed by me speaking about it on social media on my own and media stuff that's covered it. Sure. Well, with each of the people that you meet, um, you kind of do, I don't know which was first, you are the humans of New York kind of guy who, you know, takes pictures of people in New York and then shares a little bit of their story. So with each person you meet, you do that on Instagram and maybe you share that on other platforms as well, where you, you know, share a picture of the two of you meeting and a little bit about what you learned about them. How do you, do you have kind of a format that you look for to kind of share what you took away from each of these? That sounds like a lot of work. Each of these four meetings every day to kind of summarize, to post it, to share it. How do you do that? Yeah, I would, in the beginning, if you look at like the very first post, it's something like, hey, this is me and Jim Brady. He was the founder of the site, billypen.com. We talked about him working at the Washington Post and when he drove across the country with his dog have a great day. So nice to meet you. And so it was kind of that because I, humans of New York existed already. And I think he's super inspiring. And I think I looked at him as like the gold standard of what was possible with human connection. But I also didn't want to be humans of New York because there's a lot of people who are like humans of Penn State or humans of DC or whatever. I just, I had felt like I had a different mission where I wasn't trying to necessarily showcase people's stories that was a part of what i was doing but it was a byproduct of what i saw was the true value being the connection i formed with that person 
because the connection would outlast like the post or anything like that. And that's proven true through the project. But it started just being, hey, have a great day. And then every once in a while, I would throw a quote in that I heard that I would remember from the conversation. And then people started being like, oh, I'm so curious to see what my quote is. I was like, shoot, now I have to do this every time. I didn't want to do this. <laughs> so then I just started doing it every time. And it's kind of, I don't know if it's the most interesting thing. And I'm sure that I could use journalistic techniques to to be more catchy with the stories that I write. But again, I care more about the connection. And I really am just trying to say, this is the progression of this person's life. Like, here's where they grew up. Here's where they went to school, what they studied, what they got into. Here's who they are outside of work. And here's where they want to go in the future. And like, here's the important characters in their life. So my goal when I write is not to entertain an audience, but it is to write something that that person I just met feels accurately captures who they are. And you don't take notes. I know, I mean, all the people you're still meeting in person, but in the, even the video interviews, I don't remember you taking notes. So you're summarizing that from what you remember about the conversation, correct? Yes. Yeah. And with, with Zoom, I eventually got like a hundred people into doing Zoom stuff. I found the confidence to ask people if they were okay with me recording it. And yeah, it's actually so much easier for me to write people's stories when it's not recorded because then I don't feel the need to go back and look at like what exactly did they say with this quote or whatever like I will force myself it's kind of like if I know I don't have the notes afterwards I'm going to make sure that I pay attention to what they're saying and I still do that when I talk to people even though it's recorded I'm just not writing their story in my mind as I talk to them well, I'm so glad Michelle recommended the speaking opportunity for you. What are some of the things I can think of many things that you could teach us and share from a stage with a variety of audiences, but what are some of the topics that you're speaking about and what type of audiences do you typically speak in front of? Sure. I, I found a lot of success in the HR world. I've done many SHRM events, which I'm happy about. I didn't know anything about SHRM, so whatever 30-year-old, 29-year-old me Googled HR conferences, and then I found a bunch, and I applied, and Sherm got back to me. And they were like one of the only ones, which I'm very lucky. But so it, it's a lot of, I found my message resonates with attracting, engaging, and retaining talent, especially in the hybrid world or the work from home, where like how do you create connection with people when the water cooler is no longer there? And it's not passive. So what I tell people is I talk about the value of intentional connection. Like what happens if instead of just assuming it's going to happen, we make a concerted effort to go out and hear people's stories outside of our established group of friends or colleagues. And I talk about the value, which for me is an increased sense of belonging because you know more people, the more people you know. There's this expansion of your perspective and your knowledge because you just hear things that you otherwise wouldn't be exposed to. And it opens the doors to cool, cool opportunities. Like me being able to go to India is the direct result of me meeting someone for my project last November, a compounding pharmacist. Like there's, you wouldn't think that that's how I get to India, but it's the ripple effects over time. So I talk about that and I give people a framework that they can use to unpack people's stories which is the friend framework. And it's easy to remember with Rob's 10K friends, but it's family and relationships. I is industry, like their career path. 
E is their entertainment, like how do they entertain themselves? What are their hobbies? And and D is needs and dreams. What are your dreams for the future and what do you need to get there? So I tell everyone you can get to know anyone in the world if you think about their life like a timeline and just ask questions within those categories to build out the narrative of their life. So when I speak, I'll give people the questions that I use every day and then I'll have them pair off four separate times into one-on-one pairs with someone that they don't know to practice sharing their story and hearing someone else's. And then I talk about the importance of reflecting on connection because I've had people recreate my project in Ethiopia, in Germany, in India, in Canada. And it's not because I told them to, it's because they saw the value and how much I was getting out of it. So I tell people like, if you're in the workplace and you wanna create a better, more inclusive environment, if you start valuing your colleagues' stories and people see that you're having a good experience, what are they going to do? Like they want to have that good experience too. So yeah, and and I've done a lot of like DEIB stuff as well, specifically like inclusion and belonging. And I'm very passionate about empathy. And I think that it's not something that you can, I've been telling people like doing a training on empathy to me feels like saying, hey, we're going to sign the office up for a marathon in November, and we're going to do a 5K this week to prepare for it, and then we're going to be all right. No, you have to train daily and weekly for this. It has to become a lifestyle and not a box that you check. So, yeah, that's kind of the flow of my talk in the areas that it fits. I love the friend framework. That's amazing. I imagine that all of these things are also going to show up in the book that you're beginning. Is that correct? Yeah, I hope so. I, I, yeah, the book is, it's coming together and it's, it's me and my literary agent who I signed with a few weeks ago, who's actually the same agent that did Michelle Poehler's book. So it, it was cool to be able to, to tie, be tied to her and him in that way. But yeah, the book, it'll be insights and stories and practical advice from my journey of trying to spend an hour with 10,000 people and yeah, it will be, I mean, it's, it's, we're really, we're writing a chapter right now. I'm writing it, giving it to my agent is giving me feedback for iterating to get to a place where it can be strong enough to go to a publisher with a proposal. But yeah, it's the, my own experience and like what the science says about the importance of connection and giving people tools like that framework that they can use to create it in their own lives. I love that. And I will look forward to seeing a copy on bookstore shelves and getting one in probably 2025, the way the publishing world goes, 2025, 2026, maybe. (laughs) But you have a lot of people to meet between now and then. A couple of final questions. One would be, who would be the ideal person that you'd like to meet that you have not yet met? Is there anybody on the wish list that you'd like to get to? There's no one really on the wish list because my favorite people to meet are the people who are excited to meet. And like, there's, I don't know, because sometimes people are like, oh, well, you're 10,000th person. It should be the president at the time, or it should be this person. I just haven't seen as strong of a correlation between like someone's celebrity status and how cool they are. And I've met people who are celebrities who are really nice people, but it's no different than someone who, is like a student at a, at a local university. So I think one of the guys, there is a musician that I like his music. His name is John Bellion. A lot of people don't know who he is, 
he's done a lot of writing for other artists, but I want to meet him because he has such a passion for music. And he does these making of videos on YouTube. And we're like the same age. So it's because I'm curious about how his mind works. And I want to be able to unpack that. But outside of him, yeah, no, I just I, I love talking to people who are different than me. So when COVID opened me up to different cultures, like I get really jazzed about the experience of someone whose religion is different than mine, or their race is different than mine, or if they just grew up with a different expectations in their society or whatever because i feel like that's when i grow the most mm -hmm. oh, i love it all right final question for you obviously with all of these conversations i'm assuming not only did you learn a lot about other people but you are learning a lot about yourself what is something that in the last eight years has really become clear to you about yourself that you've learned through all of these meetings I think a big thing is the gratitude piece that I touched on earlier, because I say that every time I meet someone, it forces me to hold a mirror up to myself. And you get, you start to learn how wide the spectrum of life passes and really where you fit on it. Cause everything is relative, right? Like if you grow up in a neighborhood of mansions and you have the smallest mansion, it's like, woe is me. But if you compare that outside of that, then you're like, oh, okay, this house is pretty big or whatever. But I just in all different facets of life, I've gained a better understanding of where I fit on this spectrum. And then I think another thing is I've learned that I'm very disciplined and consistent. And I get a lot of compliments on the consistency of my project because people who have been following it for years are like, you've not stopped. Like you've just kept going. People, they'll forget about me for years and they'll come back and be like, oh, he's still doing it. So I think that, that those have been two really helpful quality, qualities from an entrepreneurial standpoint and my ability to, to to play mental gymnastics with my mind i think that will be be useful for a lot of different areas in life but like having a speaking engagement when i had no money that i really could have used and it drops out and it's like okay that's really disheartening but what do i do now how do i use this situation or what pieces can i move so and that's where it leads to, I think, the resourcefulness. But yeah, I've learned that I, I'm grateful. I have a lot to be grateful for. And then I'm naturally disciplined and consistent, which has been super helpful. I love the gratitude takeaway because you're right. We all need to look around the world. That's why I love to travel, not just you know abroad, but also even in the U.S. to see all the different aspects of life, at least that I've seen, there are many that I haven't. And I never return from a trip, particularly overseas, that I don't find many things, whether it's ice in a Diet Coke, or the fact that I can find a Diet Coke any time of day. <laughs> you know, it's things like that, uh, you know, plumbing, you know, sometimes, you know, there, there are just so many things that we can be grateful for. But I'm sure as you travel more, and you have already, I know that some of the happiest people I've ever met in the world and most content are the people who have so little. So it's also taught me a lot as well. Well, where can people follow your project, your mission, learn more about you, uh, book you to speak, do any of those things? Sure. So all of my speaking stuff is roblawless.com. My name, and that's where they can see like my demo reel and the keynote content and all that good stuff. And they can follow my project on Instagram at Rob's 10K Friends. 
And I also have a website, robs10kfriends.com. But my Instagram is the, the bulk of the media that I put out there. Like the content that I create is me pictured with people. If it's virtual, there's a one-minute clip, but it's a, a written summary of, of their life. And if it's in person, it's just our picture with that written summary. But and if anyone is interested in meeting, all they have to do is send me a DM on Instagram, or they can email me, say, I want to meet. I'll send them my Calendly link, and we'll find a time. It's very simple. I love the opportunity that I've had to meet you twice now. And we were both speaking at the Sherm Annual Conference in Las Vegas this past July, but I did had not met you yet, or I definitely would have been in your session. So hopefully we'll connect in person in real life at some point in the future. And I will continue to follow your project. I sent you several people that you could potentially talk to. And even more come to mind as we're talking. So I'm always a good source for you if you want to find some people to meet because I've met a lot of cool people as well. So thanks, Rob. I really appreciated the opportunity to get to know more about you and your project this time. Yeah, thank you for giving me a platform. I appreciate it. It's time for you to get noticed, create change and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review. 